Eating healthy is a common goal that people strive for, but it can be tough when life gets very busy. Being able to eat healthy on the go is becoming more and more important. That's why I'm here today to tell you about G2G Protein Bars, the best protein bar for eating healthy on the go. It is all natural and made with fresh ingredients, like homemade, but better. G2G Bars contain 18 grams of protein and are gluten-free. With eight different flavors, you'll be sure to enjoy many of the great tastes that G2G bars have to offer. They are fresh, healthy, and delicious. Get yours today at g2gbar.ca or at your local retailer. G2G bars, you will taste the difference. Welcome to Huddle Up with Matias Bueno. Sit back and enjoy stories and insight from sports icons from all over. Welcome everybody to Huddle Up with Matias Bueno. Today's guest is Saskatchewan Rough Riders place kicker and true Nova Scotia native, Brett Lowther. Brett, thanks so much for being on today's episode. I'm super excited to have you on, man. No, thanks for having me. So you're stationed right now in Jeep Winnipeg's Paradise, aka North Dakota in the United States. You're doing a lot of workouts with NFL teams, looking to get an opportunity to play down south. How has life been like in the U.S.? especially during a year when the CFL didn't play its season? Yeah, I think uh, it's been different and just prepared all the time for a workout, I guess. Um, not getting any was, I mean, is what it is. But at the same time, uh, next month, I have some things lined up to, to maybe make some moves down here with uh, getting in front of some teams and stuff like that in March. So um, basically, like I've been doing since I first came down, just uh, work out and get my kicking in a few days a week, make sure I get all my workouts in. And, and other than that, just uh, trying to stay busy and, and just be ready for anything, I guess. During kicking workouts in America, have there ever been moments where you've needed to show your punting abilities as well? Because I know that that's kind of a common theme amongst kickers in America and that they're not really required to be able to do the other as in like, oh, you don't have to be you know, good enough to be playing that position at the pro level, but guys will include in workouts. Do you find that it's, it's advantageous from your Canadian origins with, with place kicking to, to know how to punt? Um, I wouldn't really say so as much, I guess more when I first came into the league and with Hamilton, I was punting all the time and played a couple of preseasons punting and um, would practice it a lot more. And then even when I first got to Sask in 2018, I was, I was punting a lot more with Josh and stuff, but I think over the past year or two, I just have really tried to focus more in on what I'm doing and, and that's kicking and kicking field goals. And um, down here though, like, I mean, even when I'm working out, I'll, I'll punt a few, still hit a, a few odd balls, but it's not like, um, I think this past year, I think a lot of teams with COVID and stuff, they're looking more of a guy that could do all three because if they're in a pinch, um, they needed a guy to go in to be able to do both because you couldn't just bring a guy in with the quarantine and everything else. Um, I don't think that will last going forward, I guess, with hopefully everyone getting vaccinated by the end of this year and through the NFL season. But um, I mean, it definitely could help in, in the CFL game where you actually do all three. But um, in the States, I don't think it's really that much of an advantage if you do all three. I think it's better to do one really well. So now that you've had the experience with at least being down in America for a little while, 
Do you find that you enjoy the singular responsibility of just place kicking? Or do you like that versatility just naturally, even if it's not required in circumstances in the US? Yeah, I just enjoy doing what I do. I feel like even growing up in in high school or university when I did all three that I was just always better at kicking. And I think any guy now, even at the pro level in the CFL, it's like they're always better at one. They just they can do something else. And uh, a prime example of a few guys, it's like for me, I think you have to be a kicker that can turn into a punter. It's it doesn't really work as much the other way around. Like, I don't think there's many guys that have had too much success where they were just a punter and, and kind of went into kicking. Uh, if you look at a lot of guys that have done it over the past, they've been a kicker first. And um, someone like just a prime example, like Medlock, Medlock, he's just so good at place kicking that um, he probably didn't have to focus on it as much. And he could really focus in on getting better at punting. And that's kind of why it worked. And um, you look around the league at certain guys that have done all three, it's not easy to do. So uh, hats off to those guys that are able to do it because it's a lot of reps on your leg for 18 game season and a preseason and um, into playoffs and stuff too. And, and not only do you have to do all three, you have to do all three well and really well in the Canadian game because the special team is so much more important up here. Where you're originally from, you played for Halifax. You played university in Halifax for St. Mary's before getting drafted and have been able to escalate to the top of the CFL and now are looking to pursue opportunities to potentially play in the NFL. So talk a bit about how you were able to escalate your skills to the pros so quickly in such a short amount of time during your journey, despite having played maybe in a conference that people wouldn't necessarily look at it as closely in the CIS, despite the fact that there is quite a lot of talent that can come out of the AUS. Yeah, I just, I mean, I don't think it was a quick journey for me to transition really um, at all, but I just think uh, myself, I just always believed in what I could do and you know what I mean? Just blocked out the outside noise and control what I can control. And um, it's almost just like my whole life or career. It's the, where I come from and, um, out of the conference I come from and you name it, it's like you, the odds have always been stacked against for recruiting and looking out there and uh, getting a shot over other guys that get number of shots just because they played here. Or they know this guy. It's, I mean, there's more politics in professional football. I feel like the minor hockey in Canada, which is kind of crazy to think about, but that stuff's all out of my control. All I can control is when I got a shot to play is to make the kicks as much as I can for the guys and, um, try to be reliable or someone that they can like depend on. And I feel like over the last couple of years, I've kind of showed that, especially when um, it's late in a game or you need a long kick or this and that. And I mean, four or five years, it felt pretty good off to have so many people kind of not give you a shot or doubt you in this and that to come out and play pretty well. So I think for me, as much as it might look like it was a short journey or it's easy. It was just years of hard work and tons of help from family and friends and guys like Medlock and other kickers around the league over the years. And everyone's kind of just supported me. And I tried to reciprocate that and just be a good teammate and do everything I can and just take it one day at a time, I guess. So you talk about the importance of that background and support you have from where you came and from your life growing up in Truro, Nova Scotia, a small community in the Maritimes. So talk about what it is that makes where you come from so special and why it's really helped you to maybe appreciate and to be able to utilize the, the outlook you have to succeed 
over a course of many years of hard work? Yeah, I think I, for me, um, growing up in the Maritimes, I, I would never change that. The people out there are great. And, um, life's short and you know what I mean? I'm just trying to enjoy every day and, and take it for what it is. And, um, I've kind of found a, a little bit of a home out in Saskatchewan where I found like the people were a lot like where I'm from and just nice and friendly and supportive. And, um, the passion for football out there is just, it's crazy. There's nothing like it across the league and anyone that's doesn't think that is just fooling themselves. And you know what I mean? It's just, it's been a long journey and it's one of those things I don't like to look back and reflect on too much yet, just because I feel like I'm not done. I feel like, um, with kicking, you can go pretty long. And for me, I feel like I'm just getting to the, I guess, like prime or middle, or I'm just getting going, especially the last couple of years to finally get to play of, of not playing for so long, but um, wanting to. So yeah, just everyone back home from family and you know what I mean? There's too many people to name. So it's just like, everyone's always supported me in one way or another. And I always appreciate it from um, even just my friends with messages and um, my cousin like helped me out in between jobs when I was um, just grinding away while I was kicking. And you know what I mean? My dad and my grandmother and everyone, it's just, it's, it's been crazy. It's been a crazy ride. And um, even out in SAS, it's, I feel like I have families away from families and second families here and there. So uh, I feel like it's more of everyone else kind of helping me to go along. And then the least I can do is kind of go out there and kick well on game day for them. I feel like I'm trying to return the favor. Can you talk about the passion that Saskatchewan fans have for football, but that's also something that might tie into the way that football is perceived in the Maritimes with now the Atlantic Schooners being granted the 10th CFL franchise there's no doubt, like you mentioned, that Saskatchewan has a crazy buzz and love for football. But how did you find that people perceived and received football when you grew up in the Maritimes? Do you think that it is a place that carries a very strong and maybe hidden passion for football? Or is it a place where football is just starting to come along and that 10th franchise actually might just continue to, to up the love for football? Um, personally, I think it's maybe a mix of both. Uh... I know it was a, there was quite an uproar about the stadium and, and taxpayer dollars and, and a number of things going into that. But I think the Maritimes, it not only kind of completes like the 10th team and the even division in a coast to coast league, but uh, it also, it would be like a, a mini Saskatchewan where it's not just one province. It's, I guess Saskatchewan's not in the same sense. It is one province, but out there it would be a multi-province team. Um, just the support they have where it's, it's a lot like SAS where there's no pro NHL team or um, other major sport that you have to compete with. And I think the stadium out there, not only just for football, let alone the CFL team, it would be huge for Maritimers for um, hosting other events like major concerts that can't come in because the Metro center only holds X amount of people. So a lot of big acts or other stuff won't go out there where, you could have um, massive bands or whatever you want to think of coming during the summer for entertainment. And you could host NHL games outdoor like they did in Sask, or there's just so many things that you can do that has nothing to do with football that I think it's a little bit narrow sighted out there where um, I hate to say it like this, but just being from the Maritimes, we've always been, we're always the place that's a few years behind everywhere else and kind of wants to keep it like, um, 
it doesn't progress as quickly, but sometimes change is a good thing. And I feel like this is one of the things that would really help out there a lot, especially with minor sports and having something to look up to as a young football player. I mean, I didn't get into football when I was younger. I didn't play growing up. I, I kind of just fell into it in high school, but I've done a, a lot of, I guess, work back home with just kids or going out to minor football games or checking out the high school games if I'm ever home for them or just staying in touch in the off season and trying to um, grow the game as much as I can. So um, I think it would be huge out there if they could actually get a team, but I know uh, COVID definitely uh, killed the momentum a little bit out there. And that's an interesting dilemma that is created in a place where the CFL has dabbled a bit in having games there that had the Atlantic touchdown for, I don't know how many years running where they would always play a game somewhere out in the Maritimes once during the regular season. But it is similar to Saskatchewan in the sense that there is no other pro teams. And that's really the only thing to look up to for kids playing minor football. And also you mentioned all the other numerous activities that could take place, acts, musical performances, et cetera, that would be able to come into town that wouldn't otherwise because of the lack of facilities or the Metro center you mentioned. So what made you then get into football in high school? Was it the classic played soccer? So figured out translate or how did you initially get your journey started? Yeah, I, I did play some soccer when I was younger, but um, I was kind of more going into hockey and, um, that's what I was doing and it just fell into place. Uh, I was just out really like on the wrong day of a, a tryout for something. And, um, I wasn't getting picked up after school until later. And some of my friends were at football practice and, um, I, I knew nothing about the game. I, I didn't know positions. I didn't know plays. So I remember my first day just running around without gear on and, um, coach coming around asking what position I play and I just looked at my buddy and he's just like you're a receiver and like I knew nothing about what it was and um yeah it went for my first year really just like kicking as a grade 10 just walking on and learning and then the next year uh like really learned the game because my dad played and uh growing up and he was a pretty good player and then yeah I ended up getting like all-star receiver and played a little bit of receiver and quarterback in grade 12 and then was lucky enough to have uh, Scotty Annan, who was a D-line coach at St. Mary's and kind of got the recruiting going down there for me. So I ended up committing down there. And my whole first year, all I played was receiver. And then uh, when Justin Plarty was drafted from St. Mary's to the CFL, they brought in some kickers and there was a few other guys. And I just don't think they were really happy with what they had. And I was like, well, I can still probably do it and was kicking as well and kind of just took over the job from there. And I was still playing junior hockey on the side um, during and outside a season. And then my third and fourth year came around and they were kind of like, maybe you should take this a little more serious. You might have a chance of maybe being drafted. So I put a lot of work into that last season and um, was lucky enough to be drafted and kind of got kicked off in Hamilton a little bit there and got a taste of what it's like to play a couple of games and, I mean, the best year probably I've had for my whole career was my second year in Hamilton when I didn't even get to play football, but just uh, getting to be behind a guy like uh, Medlock and, and someone who's that professional and he was coming back from the NFL and kind of showed me what it took, not only on the field. I feel like I've always had the attributes there, but more off the field and mentally to 
to go out there and handle what you need to do. And so um, that year was super beneficial for me. And then after that, just like I said, I felt like I was good enough for three or four years. And it was uh, just watching a mirror go around of the same guys that you even see going on in the NFL. It's more like if you get one chance, you get a bunch of chances. But the hardest part is really just getting that first shot. And it took a while, but I'm kind of glad I stuck with it and kind of brought me to now. So basically, basically until um, the CFL kind of lets everyone know what they're officially doing. I'm, I'm trying to do the same thing I did um, in the CFL, just with the NFL. I feel like uh, personally, like the last couple of years from the distance I'm kicking or what I'm doing, um, there isn't 31 or 32 guys down there that um, are better or a reason why I couldn't be on a PR or even win a job somewhere. So I feel like right now the hardest part is just getting that chance and, if I do, I just want to make sure like in SAS that I'm ready for it and I run with it and don't look back. A hundred percent. And that's such an important element you bring about playing behind a guy like Justin Madlock, who is such a, such a great professional in terms of being a kicker in the CFL, his regiment, his routine, his mindsets. And even when, when we were talking about some of the things that he learned over the course of his career, bouncing back and forth between the CFL and the NFL, there's no, there's no secret that the mental side of kicking is so much, it carries so much importance. It is almost 50% of everything that goes into kicking. People think, oh, it's all leg strength and being big and burly or being able to swing your leg above your eyes and et cetera, et cetera, all these sorts of things. But having the mental composure to go out there and kick the same as you do in practice as you do in a game is sometimes too hard for people to handle. So how did you up your mental game to put yourself on the level where you could perform in 56, three minutes left in a game? Hey, no problem. I'll go out there and I'll hit it, coach. How did you really sharpen yourself mentally? Yeah, I think the the biggest thing with all of that is, is um, obviously it took time and um, a lot of reading and a, a, a number of things to really lock in to go out. And you almost have to detach yourself from the game as a kicker and um, not really be on the highs or lows of a touchdown or an interception because you have to go out and just handle and, and do your job. So um, I just kind of keep to myself and, and just know that when my number's called, like I need to go out and do a job because um, everyone's relying on me. I don't get to go out and, you know what I mean, drop four or five balls and then you catch one and you're the hero. So it's like, you have to do your job every single time. And I feel like I, I, in hockey, I feel like I was always a goal scorer and kicking field goals. It's like kind of the same thing. So it's like, I enjoy the the pressure and just like the spotlight of like, it almost feels like you're getting that penalty shot and you got the one shot and you got to make it. So I kind of, I guess, got to the point of where it's like, it's not pressure. Pressure is just something that's made up. You know what I mean? Like if you don't feel pressure, you don't like, pressure to me is there's a lot, a lot of things going on in the world where, um, you know what I mean? People raising kids as a single parent, like my dad did, or, or, uh, like a lot of stuff that's going on in the world today where it's like, at the end of the day, I'm playing a kid's game and I'm having fun. Like, you know what I mean? I don't feel pressure. If it goes in, I'm, I'm, I'm doing everything I can to make it go in. If it doesn't, you know what I mean? I know at the end of the day that I prepared, did everything I could to make that happen. So, um, for me, I don't really ever feel too much pressure or anything crazy like that or let it get on me because I feel like that's 
deterring the work that the team and the coaching staff and the fans and everyone to put in for that moment. So I just want to go out there every time and make every kick. And um, one of the things I think people get like maybe twisted with stuff is um, they think like Justin or Matt over the years, he has all these people like reaching out, like he's a kicking guru or like is going to make every guy like this awesome kicker. And it's like, well, I wasn't like a bad kicker. I didn't not have the leg strength or I wasn't in Hamilton with him not being able to kick like a 59 or 60 yard field goal. It was just, you couldn't get on the field to actually show you could do it. So I feel like everyone over the years thought like, Oh, you just send a guy to him or someone and you're just going to automatically be able to kick or get better. But at the end of the day, I felt like, um, I was that good before and I'm the same person now. It's just finally, I got the chance to show it in front of everyone. And that is another great point that you bring up in the sense that people who are watching the game and don't understand as much about the behind the scenes as would people who are on the team, but maybe not on the field is that the difference between most kickers in the league is not a super wide margin really isn't punters, et cetera. What was Med saying to me when we were talking on our episode is that I would never pay a punter because they're all the, the difference in America is so small. Just kick it to the ceiling, fair catch. Boom. There you go. Why would I pay you? But he brings up a great point because in America, if it is true, the guys just crush it to the ceiling until the returner has no choice, but to make a fair catch. Why would you ever put a premium on, on a guy doing that when there's somebody that you could pay less amount of money and can do it pretty much the same. So that has to be one of the hardest things about kicking. I'm sure is that it's not like, Oh, you can barely hit it from 40 and meds crushing it from 60. It's you guys are both pretty even, but the reputation that he has, you know, from all the years he's played in the league combined with the fact that you're just starting the coaches don't have a good enough reason yet to say, okay, Brett, get out there. And basically when you're in those kinds of positions, you have to hope for a trade or an injury or, something to happen for they, for them to say that they want to try somebody else. And that can be very challenging. What, what did you think to yourself or how did you handle being behind somebody that you knew? Okay. It's really difficult for me to beat this guy straight up or in front of the coaches. So I just have to do what I do. What were the kinds of things you did to ensure that you didn't get lost in, in the highs and lows of daily competition or, or the big mountain that it would seem to, to over overcome somebody like Justin who was so, so seasoned to kicking. Yeah. I think the biggest thing really was we were just like best friends. Like, so it didn't ever feel like that or we were competing. Like I just tried to do everything I could uh, to be a good teammate, to make sure he needed whatever he needed um, to be ready to go out and win. Like I just wanted to win. We went to, couple gray cups there and didn't win but like my first two years getting the taste of that even though i wasn't in those games like being out to sask in the gray cup my first year when they lost and then bc the next year it's like those were some really good teams with a lot of really good players on those teams and i got to be in those locker rooms and, and see what that was like and then um yeah after that really it was just um more of a grind of like when are you going to get a shot and what do you need to do to get that shot? And I felt like a number of times over the years, um, I was in Toronto and Montreal and even Edmonton where they had injuries and you're there till day two is the only guy and kicking really well and thinking you're going to play. And then you walk in the third day and they just bring someone else in. So I don't think it really matters with injuries or, or who they have or this and that it's, it's just 
you need to get a shot. And until you do, you got to run with it. And until you actually get out there and get a chance to like start kicking from 50, whatever, then you like, no one knows if you can or can't. So that's why that first year coming back to Sask, I remember in preseason, there was a 55 yarder and they're thinking about punting. And I was pretty much just like yelling from the background to kick it because like I knew I could, and I knew I probably only had one shot at this and, um, to even make a career out of it again, I was lucky to be there to even get the shot again. And I made that kick in Edmonton and got to get the starting job and, um, trying to show in practice, like, Hey, I can kick from these distances. Like, just let me have the shot and making two from 56 that year. I mean, I was told that that was never done in CFL history before of the game that no one in the same season has made two kicks from longer than 55 yards. So, um, getting to kick the 57 in Ottawa with no wind and putting that through by a few yards. Um, I mean, it all is just comes down to like getting your shot. And I mean, obviously the coaches have been awesome to me out there and having like great snaps and holds that plays a lot into it. And there's a number of things, but um, it just felt good to finally get a shot after so many years of kind of, I don't know the really the right word right now, but just being thrown around from team to team and treated how you were. It's like, um, it just felt good to go out now kicking game winners against teams that like have brought you in and just let you go or, you weren't really treated fairly when you were there. So it does feel good when there's no time on the clock and I go to Edmonton and kick a field goal and they lose again. So um, there's just little things like that. I've always just kept a chip on my shoulder about. And it's, it can be very difficult to handle in those moments or maybe frustrating or annoying because there are things that are out of your control for the most part. And that's, what's really tough about living through that moment, not knowing when the next team is that you're going to be on when you're going to get that shot, if you're going to get it, where it's going to be. But when it comes, like you said, you run with it, you look what you've done so far, and it's been pretty remarkable. Making those two from 56 plus was absolutely outstanding. And I remember even when I watched that for the first time, I was like, damn, this guy from St. Mary's came in here for Sask and he clutched up. Like, that's super awesome to see. And I'm really glad to to always see younger kickers succeed because you never know when – you're going to get your shot. And when you're, when you've played the position before or when you're younger and you know that it's really hard to get that shot, seeing someone else get it, who's, des- who's deserving like yourself. It's always a great thing to see. Now to switch it up a little bit, I wanted to ask you a bit about what kind of things you enjoy to do outside of, outside of football, because as kickers would know, there's the stereotype that, Oh, you get so much time off and you barely are practicing and you're just, you know, drinking slurpees, kicking balls on the sideline hanging out in sweats. What kind of things does Brett Lowther enjoy to do, uh, you know, when you're not kicking footballs and we are just chilling out? Like in season, like if I'm just having an off day or yeah. Um, well, I think with us in Sask is you, people think we're just slacking off or whatever, but we work, I work out with the defense every day. So I'm in there with all those guys um, uh, on the field. We're always staying busy with Dickie, make sure that we're, tossing med balls here, getting some core work here. So um, we're definitely super busy there. And then I think in the last year or so, because of COVID, I got back into just playing video games and being able to talk to friends online. So you can't really meet face to face or go out for a drink or do whatever. So kind of reconnect it with doing that. And if it was a normal off season or any other year, I'd play hockey all winter. I mean, it's still, I guess my first like love of a sport that I I really enjoyed and and I still watch a ton of NHL um, follow it just as much as I follow the NHL and college football. And 
so yeah, I, I definitely miss getting back on the ice and, and playing hockey and can't wait till things are, I guess, normal again to go do that stuff. But other than that, I just like to try to, you know what I mean? Get outdoors when we went home for, um, over the break, like got up to the mountains again in uh, Banff and, and just trying to do things like that to stay active. And I mean, just normal stuff, just in the gym. Um, I like to just, I guess, always say like, I'm just a regular person that just gets to go out there and kick a ball with all these other athletes that are amazing at what they do. I'm kind of just walking around with giants out there and, um, getting to live the dream a little bit for a while it lasts. So yeah, I'm just pretty boring, pretty regular, I guess. So then I must ask this as a Maritimer, Sidney Crosby, is that, is that your favorite hockey player then? I mean, he has to be up there. Um, all the Maritime boys from like McKinnon and Marshawn. There's a bunch of new guys, younger guys in the league now that are from the, the Maritimes with Batherson and Graves. And um, yeah, like I, I, I'm a Habs fan, so um, they're looking pretty good this year and always following them. But yeah, Crosby and, and guys like that from the Maritimes, it's awesome. Pretty much every second year, I feel like the cup is coming back home between um, Marshawn and, and Crosby and other guys from the Maritimes around the league. I remember going over to PEI when I was real young to when Tampa won it with Brad Richards and he brought it up there. And yeah, it's super cool. Like, especially I feel like the Maritimes is definitely a dominated by the hockey and, and to see the cop coming out there that much and being a kid. And even our, our last year, we got to play when St. Louis won. There's, um, three of the guys from that team brought the cup to a riders game and yeah it's super cool just being around other other athletes or being from an area where Crosby and some of those big names like on the NHL spectrum are from it's it's uh gives a I guess a, a a big perspective for kids out there to like someone to look up to and um I'm just trying to do it from the other side I guess for football to make sure like kids know that if they want to do anything or if they believe in what they can do and they want to play pro football, like just go for it and you'll be able to. You mentioned the the time that the three guys from the blues brought the Stanley cup back to Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan and the Maritimes, as we've mentioned earlier in this podcast have tons of comparisons between, you know, friendly down to earth people, their love for hard hitting sports. Who would you say produces better hockey players, the Maritimes or Saskatchewan? I think I like recently was like looking at some stuff and I think per capita Saskatchewan might have the most NHL players in the league um, out of all the Canadian provinces. But if we're talking about better, I don't even think it's a comparison. I'm pretty sure um, Marshall being a part of like arguably the top line in the league and McKinnon being a part of one of the other top lines in the league. And I mean, you got three of like really the top five or six fantasy players every year with those three guys. And I mean, Crosby, you don't even have to list what he's done. So I think if you're talking about better players, um, Nova Scotia is right up there with anyone, especially when you look at the population of the province. So um, I'm always going to stick with my Nova Scotia guys. Who's the biggest rival, would you say, within the Maritimes for Nova Scotia when it comes to sports or famous people, et cetera? Like, would it be New Brunswick from just being the closest or how do like how do those rivalries compare within the Maritimes as compared to like outside with other provinces? Um, I'm not sure really too much about the biggest rival. I mean, obviously, I feel like if growing up and playing hockey, we won provincials one year and getting to go to Atlantic's and 
uh, midget AAA and like you're representing your province and against the other ones like that was pretty cool like playing against Newfoundland or PEI or whoever won the provincials in New Brunswick and stuff too but um, I think most of the biggest rivals growing up was just playing um, inter-province teams like whatever the closest area team um, there's always was a rivalry between like Truro and Brookfield for sports or whenever uh, I guess like uh a mainland or Truro team or someone from up there, you play a city team, like you always want to beat them and stuff too. And um, going up to Cape Breton, like it's always tough games when you go up and play those boys. And uh, yeah, it was more, I guess, inner province games for me growing up as a kid playing sports. So um, out of province was cool, but it was always a little bit tougher. You had to get up to the higher levels, but um, going to big tournaments over in PEI or, um, New Brunswick and, and you're starting to play all these teams from all over, even playing in Halifax and the Sedma and you start te- having teams from Quebec and Ontario and even teams from Europe in these tournaments. It was kind of crazy. So, um, yeah, there's just tons of rivalries growing up as a kid. That, that must be a super cool experience to be able to travel across, you know, I mean, Nova Scotia is not a huge province, but to be able to still have those strong rivalries, especially in a sport like hockey, it really is embedded in the lifeblood of Canadians especially out there it's there's no exception yeah i mean i've some of the best memories i have is like going to play a junior hockey game wherever and then being with the boys on the bus back and you know what i mean like having a couple beers and and going out and um those were like the good old days and the same thing with football like um playing wherever and just being on the bus with the guys and um just having a good time really like uh, the best years really were when you're in university and you're in Halifax and pretty sure it's still the most bars per capita in Canada. So, I mean, it was a pretty good time. I'm not going to lie. And um, just miss those days and um, playing sports or other stuff where it wasn't, um, I guess, as much of a business. It was more, you're just with your buddies and you're going out there to do the best you can. So um, it's just a different game now at this level. It's there's, more involved with media and uh television and people's lives and jobs and other stuff on the line so it's just a it's just a different game compared to when you're in high school or university or something else and you're just with your your guys just doing what you can who's the funniest guy that you've played with on the riders that's all i want to know for sure oh man i don't even know if i can name one there's really a lot of a lot of funny guys um especially in football, there's so many, but I mean, I'm really around the specialists the most. And like, um, I'm pretty lucky to be around like guys like Josh Bartell is hilarious. Even John, it's like comedy to be around and, and Jordan, like when we're all together, it's, I mean, I'm always just messing around too, like clowning and doing stuff and serious when I need to be, but if we're in the locker room or at practice or other stuff, I mean, I'm always trying to just do little pranks or things here and there to just keep things light and um, just be laughing all the time. So uh, just the other specialist guys, just because I'm around them all the time, but I try to, I try to keep it close with everyone in the locker room. I feel like I'm, I'm buddies with them all. And especially being the PA rep for a couple of years, there, just dealing with them all on the phone and, and making sure everyone's up to date as much as I can. So um, yeah, I guess it's just too many guys to name, really, because there's a ton of funny dudes that I've met over the years. Working alongside someone like John Ryan must have been truly incredible, considering all that he's accomplished in his career so far, and and him seeming like a very comedic fellow. I think it just runs in specialists, I guess, having all this time on your hands, you know, really can get you get you up to no good with you know 
pranking others or making jokes and just kicking back. Are there any crazy stories or is there any, anything that's very memorable from any of your teammates that you've heard who have had, who have maybe played football in other places or lived through experiences that were just so, so crazy to hear, whether it's like really funny or like really shocking. Yeah. I mean, I got, <laughs> I got a lot of stories from over the years. I just don't know, like if any of the good ones I can really tell on here. So um, I think being around someone now, like um, John, like you mentioned, like he's hilarious. Like, well, his wife's a comedian, like she's hilarious. And um, I think one of the coolest parts being around him or, or Jorgen or all these guys is just like, they're just good people too. And like um, being around good people is the best part. And um, just been hearing like Super Bowl stories from him and, and just all the stories he has from, where he's played and and every guy almost has like their own set of stories or their own path and journey. So it's like, they're kind of endless, especially if you start getting into like the old school CFL stories or, I mean, John played for a couple of years in Winnipeg too, and had like some hilarious stories. And, um, everyone over the years has them. So uh, I can't even start to get into those because we'd probably be here all day. And it, this podcast would go from PG to R rate it pretty quick. <laughs> Well, I can, you know, John, John's life's a comedian and all the places he's played. I can only imagine the kind of the kinds of stories that he'd have to share. And even just from the others, Jorgen, you mentioned and Josh, but yeah, it's, it's very correct to say that the most important thing about those people is that they're good people and that every, every guy who's played football or, you know, girl who's played high level sports or just in high school, you always have your great stories and, you know, telling jokes in the bus, et cetera, et cetera, all the rookie rookie stories, all those kinds of things. But knowing that they're good people at the end of the day is such an important thing to remember. And, and that ties into a very close or a, a pop culture phenomenon from your hometown where good people tied with R-rated stories is quite the combination. And the Trailer Park Boys film all across the Maritimes and there's no shortage of stereotypical questions and racing to quote the show that must occur in the locker room, I'm sure. What's your experience been like playing professional football across Canada, knowing that the little bit of home will always follow you with people knowing the fame of the show Trailer Park Boys? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the all-time greatest shows there. I mean, I have a couple good buddies back home who probably should be on the show or should have been on the show. And I even have some family members that definitely should have been on there. So uh, um, it's comedy. Like growing up, just um, I got to play in some play-on tournaments where those guys were there when I was kids, um, like I was saying before. And um, someone like J-Rock doesn't live too far away from where I'm from. And you, you see them shooting at local rinks or in trailer parks or here and there. It's it's kind of been all over. And um, even just growing up, like I was talking about before in university, like Bubbles used to have a bar downtown called Bubbles Mansion and just going there and seeing him in there. It's just, it's awesome. It's, it's one of my favorite shows, especially like over the past few years, like watching it when I was growing up and stuff too. And um, yeah, just hearing stories now, guys in the locker room that when they find out where I'm from, or like, you always have a few guys that bring that up. Like, Hey, do you know, Charlie Park boys, or you ever watch that show? And I'm like, obviously, or of course, like it's literally filmed like right by my house. So, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool that they're from out there. That's for sure. 
And I must ask you, who is your favorite character on Trailer Park Boys? Um, probably Ricky <laughs> overall, but uh, I don't know. They're all great. It's tough to pick. Like Julian Bubbles, they're all hilarious. Um, Mr. Leahy, RIP, was one of the most quotable people ever. So, yeah, I mean, everyone on the show is what made it so great. I think it was like being around the football teams, like in the locker rooms, everyone's just actually awesome. So uh, it's hard to pick, but they're all pretty funny. I think I remember reading a Trailer Park Boys fact somewhere that said every single episode title, at least as far as seasons one to seven goes, this because this was way back when I was in high school, every single title from episode one season one all the way to the last episode of season seven is a quote or something that was said from Julian or sorry, from Ricky or Mr. Leahy. So the dichotomy of those two in the show really comes out of the fact that they're always saying something that's basically the main point of the episode, which is, again, it makes it so tough to choose between the two, but again, you know, you know, rest in peace to John Dunsworth, amazing, you know, character in the show, amazing man. And just truly a, uh, you know, a maritime icon in terms of, you know, television and pop culture. And, and it's so glad to know that when you get older, that those things from home are always looked upon fondly. And to remember that, you know, there's always big things can come from small places. Yeah. I think that's one of the best things about the show too, is like, I mean, anytime I'm just scrolling through Netflix, some nights are just stuck in the vortex. I'm trying to find something to watch. You can always just throw on an old episode and it's just as funny as the the first time you watched it and stuff too. So I'll probably never really um, not be watching that over the years. At some point, I'm always throwing an episode on here or there and just having some good laughs. Well, Brett, we're getting towards the end of our time here in today's episode. I want to ask one more question to wrap up before we go it's been so great to talk to you and we've, you know, discussed football to home life and watching sports. If you were to do one job that no matter what you could snap your fingers and it would be yours, not related to sports, what would it be and why? Holy, not related to sports. Yeah. Just any job, Just snap your fingers and boom, it's there. Well, I don't even know if this is related to sports, but I'd probably just be like a pro gamer. But I think that's probably considered sports too. But yeah, I don't know. It's tough because I can't really picture my life without sports, um, especially with how much I love sports, um, how big of a role it is. And after um, this is done, I don't know, obviously, what I'm going to do if I go into coaching or, or training kids or um reporting or something but i i feel like especially now that i'm i'm getting older and stuff too um you kind of want to do something for the rest of your life that you love and enjoy and for me it's it's definitely sports so i can't really envision my life without sports but i was pretty close to going into the rcmp there so um just before stuff worked out in sas so i was pretty close to to being in that if you want a non-sports answer so now in terms of just the realm of everything sports included, what would be then your dream job after football? Yeah, I think probably play itself out, but like, I mean, I'd love to be coaching or whether it's at a high level or even giving back to kids. That's something that just personally, like doesn't matter the the dollar amount on any of that stuff. I just enjoy um, being around and trying to pass off any of the knowledge I've learned over the years. So um, whether it's coaching or just finding a way to stay back in the game. And I don't know if it's going to be to do with football or hockey, but one of them, I, I really, I really love both of them too much to kind of 
think about a life without it. So um, hopefully, who knows, maybe be coaching in the CFL someday or taking over some special teams role. But for now, it's like I said, I just don't want to reflect or look back too much. I'm in the middle of the journey right now and hoping that it lasts for a long time. A hundred percent. And especially when you're in the moment, you just got to stay present and be focused on taking care of taking care of business. And, and then you, you'll have tons of time to reflect way, way later on. That's, that's the for sure thing. So with that, Brad, I want to thank you so much for having been on today's episode. It was super fun. And I had a, a great time being able to talk to you about football life in the Maritimes and just, you know, kicking back and, and, you know, just being a kicker, as they say. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me on. This was awesome. Well, everyone, thank you for listening to today's episode of Saskatchewan Rough Riders Place Kicker, Brett Lowther. First and goal from the one. This is it. Stiegel. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Huddle Up with Matias Bueno. Check out our social media pages for more at huddleup underscore MB. For full audio, head over to Spotify and Apple Podcasts. For full video, head over to YouTube at Huddle Up with Matias Bueno. Tune in next week for another great episode. See you next time.